Welcome back to Split Decision. This week on episode 14, we're going to be recapping Noche UFC. From there, we're going to take a look ahead to UFC Vegas 79, Fiziev versus Gamrot. Then, we're going to move on to our top five worst people. And we're going to finish things up with a little Q&A with an N. But first, head to splitdecisionpod.com where you'll find all our recent episodes, our merch, picks, and more. But... For an added bonus, use code SPLIT35 for 35% off your order. Again, splitdecisionpod.com. All right, let's go. All right, let's move on to our recap of Noche UFC from this past weekend. Shevchenko. Grasso was the main event, and man, this fight kind of lived up to the billing. Uh, great back and forth fight. Honestly, one of the best women's title fights of all time, I think, just for the back and forth. Uh, almost ended kind of the same way. It was a fight where Shevchenko was made questionably winning the fight. Yeah. Grasso comes, takes advantage of a uh, Shevchenko mistake, grabs her back. First time. Got the neck crank. This time, she almost got it again. Yeah, it just wasn't nearly as clean this time. Otherwise, she would have. But what a fight. Ended in a draw. So, Grasso kept her belt. It was a controversial draw. I think the judging was a little uh, wonky. Who was the the judge? Right. So, uh, arguably, it came down to the fifth round um, where, you know, Grasso won the fight. Won the round 10-9. It would have given the split decision uh, win to Shevchenko. Shevchenko, correct. Um, Mike Bell scored the fifth round 10-8. Which there's no way that's a 10-8 round. No. uh, Shevchenko was winning the fifth round. Both had four minutes through and through. Uh, maybe three and a half minutes, and then Grasso, you know. And Grasso kind of dominated the last, like, minute, but. It's definitely not worth a 10-8 scoring. Um, I actually had the fight 48-47 Grasso. so I'm happy she kept the belt, but I don't like the the judging was definitely questionable. Look, I don't think anybody would argue uh, that Grasso won the fight, that you know Shevchenko won the fight. If there's no 10-8 fifth round, I don't think there's any controversy. If it's 10-9... Because it could have gone either way. Right, and if it's 10-9 and they still score it for Grasso, I don't think you have fans up in arms like you do now. I don't think you have people like Bisbing... Um, coming out right and saying, no, it wasn't a 10-8. That was ridiculous. You don't have people like Bilal Muhammad coming out and saying, no, absolutely, that's not a 10-8. Yeah, you it was have un- to dominate for the full five minutes of the round to be a 10-8. If anything, it's unfortunate Shevchenko too. deserves the 10-8 in, in that round, if you're judging it based on domination I only. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say that because I think the last minute was dominated by Grasso. But it kind of overshadowed a great title fight. The judging, that's all anybody's talking about now. I think we're kind of losing the fact that both these chicks had a lot of success against each other. It was very exciting. Um, you know, I, th- I wouldn't be opposed to them running it back a third time now, especially after a controversial draw. Uh, I know Dana White said he didn't know about it. They're kind of thinking maybe Grasso fights uh, Blanchfield, maybe? Blanchfield. Man, or the, or the uh, puberty, you heard that? <laughs> or the French fighter. What's the... Uh, Fourreau? Um, Menon Fouarreau. We just yeah. saw her fight a few weeks ago. Yeah, so one of those two, uh, just to give her a fresh face. Shevchenko, I think she's going full force for that third rematch. 
I would like to see a third rematch. Yeah, uh, the first the first matchup was a good fight. You had Shevchenko winning a couple rounds early on. You had Grasso coming back and, you know, in the fourth round winning by neck crank. Both this, very resilient in this fight. Right, and then the second time this rematch, it was it was very close contest again. I'm, I'd be very hyped to see a third fight. Part, the, the trilogy be announced tomorrow. I agree, but the only thing is, the problem with that, Shevchenko comes out and wins. Then it's one win apiece with a draw. And right, and then like you're in the Brandon Moreno, uh, David Fi- uh, Figueredo. Figueredo. We, Davis and Figueredo. We got to do a fourth one now. And it's like, all right. right. So, that's well, we're only fighting each other for five years. Yeah, I agree. Uh, maybe give it to Blanchfield. Maybe give it to Poirot. We'll see what comes out. But definitely, Grasso's not going down without a fight. I think she proved that out here. Yeah, it was a, honestly, controversy aside, it was an impressive performance from Grasso. She kind of shut the naysayers up that say it was kind of a, a fluke win the first time out because she proved at the very least that she's as good as Valentina Shevchenko. Right. In a co-main event matchup, the welterweights Jack Della Maddalena and Kevin Holland fought, kept it on the feet because they're very skilled strikers. Uh, Jack Della Maddalena, he's a smaller fighter, so his game plan really had to just be to get close Try to do his damage. Which especially kinda. small just compared to uh, Kevin Holland for, the, right. for 170. Right. Uh, his game plan just to get close, try to you know break apart that reach that Holland had over him. And honestly, it worked. He moved forward predominantly the whole fight, had Holland backing away, having to kind of take his shots as he's moving away from Madalena. Yeah, which... but Holland is long enough where he was still piecing him up. He was getting some good shots in as well. Oh, they were absolutely. Both hitting each other. Uh, but as you said backing up the whole time i think that jdm set the pace right i think though the the holland backing up with even though he's doing damage but with madalena setting the pace for the fight it was like son strickland's coach had optics right i think that is what helped him win the fight by split decision given the close matchup you need that very thing you need optics on your side to win the fight in a fight where there's no takedowns there's nothing like that to you know, dictate. Did, was there a knockdown in the fight? No. Yeah. No, it's just, just a very stand-up, very skilled striking fight where damage was dealt and, you know, Jack Della Maddalena won by split decision. That yeah. moves him to 16 on a 16-fight win streak in the UFC. Or uh, not in the UFC, I'm six sorry. 6-0 in, in a row. U- He's 6-0 six, six, in the UFC. Though. Right. 16 in, in a row. 6-0 in the UFC. Keeps climbing that ladder. I think we're going to see him on a pay-per-view. I've seen him on a few. He was supposed to be on a pay-per-view a few weeks ago. Yeah. His opponent had to back out, so he fought on the fight night the after, week that. after that. I think we see JDM on a pay-per-view coming up. You know, he didn't take a lot of damage here. I think he can take some time off. I think he wants to fight again in 2023, so maybe that December card. What do you think? Yeah, he has an exciting style. I think a lot of people like him. Uh, and definitely not one to sleep on being 16 wins in a row. I mean, exactly. I'm all for it. I know they have, it would have been nice to have him in Abu Dhabi in a couple of weeks, but I think that's too soon. Right. I think uh, maybe the November card in New York, or like you said, the December card, wherever that pay-per-view ends up being, probably Vegas. I would like to see him uh, fight again this year. I think he, although he got hit in this fight, as we said, and they went back and forth, I think he didn't take a whole bunch of damage. Right. Where in a couple months he should be good to go. And then with Holland, I mean, for, you know, I don't think Holland lost any stock in this this loss. I was about to say the very thing. They they pretty much, in my opinion, just swapped rankings. They were 14 and 15. I think they stay 14 and 15, just opposite names on the board. Holland's still going to shit talk. He's still going to have exciting knockouts. Big mouth Holland. You got to love him. 
Yeah, I don't think this changes really anything for him. No, I, th I think the next opponent for JDM is just a higher-ranked opponent than the next opponent for Holland. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. All right, so the next five we're going to cover is the Wonder Kid himself, Raul Rosas Jr., Terrence Mitchell. Both guys came out swinging for no regard for their own health. No defense, really, in this fight. Uh, big swings to start it off, and then eventually uh, the 18-year-old Rosa Jr., caught Terrence Mitchell and Terrence Mitchell. Dude, I'm not was, trying to be disrespectful. He flew across the cage. Yeah, it was crazy. I've never, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if he was trying to dodge it while the punch was connecting with his face, but. Did not look good. Yeah, it was, it was not a good look for a 33-year-old man fighting an 18-year-old. And he got him on the ground, Rosa Jr. We all know what he can do on the ground. And he just ground and pounded, won the fight. Um, good win for him. I don't think his game plan and fighting style would work against a higher quality opponent. No offense to Mitchell, but for the night coming off his first loss, he couldn't ask for anything more as a good performance from him. Yeah. That moves him to eight and one in his career. I mean, that's really helpful having a, a two and one in the UFC. Now a rebound win like that though, because yeah, you never know how your first loss is going to fuck you, especially if you're 18 years old. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a kid. His arguably his brain's not fully developed and, his brain's keep, definitely not. I was about to developed. say, keep fighting like this, and you're not gonna have a fully developed brain. But look, you need a couple wins like that to get you on the right track, give you some momentum. And all props to Raul Rosas Jr., El Nino Problema for coming out, Noche UFC, Mexican Independence Day, and winning it for, you know, his culture. Yeah, he got the crowd going in the fight. It was it was a nice, Dude, the, uh, at the nice end of, rebound to see. At the end of the fight with him doing the old Ric Flair, woo! Yeah, Even though he was every, speaking unintelligibly the entire time. After every sentence is, woo! Yeah, it was amazing. It got I, me going. It did. He did. He know, He might not know exactly what he's doing, but he's doing the right things right yeah, now. Yeah, it was similar to that, uh, that Kanye West song, Friends in Paris. It gets the people going. Yeah. Moving on to a fight in the lightweight division, we have Daniel Zellhuber versus Christos Giagos. Uh, we saw this one here. Two different ways originally. I thought Zell Huber was going to, you know, take this one with stride. And you thought Giagos was going to win. Yeah, uh, I thought the experience would play a factor. Honestly, man, you but were honestly, close in that first round. The experience looked like it was advantage the younger guy. It was weird. He yeah. seemed like the guy with more experience. He fought like the guy with more experience. I think Giagos is kind of known for unleashing those little furies and then capitalizing on those. And if you don't capitalize... Right, I, and I think screwed. one of the things that kind of shocked me from Zell Huber was how quickly he was able to regain his composure, composure, composure after completely getting rocked in the first round. Yeah, he got caught, as you said. He he kind of ran, you know, then found the clinch. And look, in my opinion, do what you like. You just said, do what you got to do to win the fight. As long as it's legal, it's good. Because after he survived that, it seemed like it was clear his advantage, and obviously. Ended with a second round finish. Was it Anaconda Choke? Yeah, an Anaconda Choke. He, he got uh, uh, Giagos the panic attack because he rocked him. Right. He caught him with a counter. Panic, uh, panic uh, takedown. takedown. Panic like, uh, shoot. Panic, panic shoot. shoot. Yeah. Zell Huber countered, right. countered him with out. a right hook. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. We're, we're on the short bus sometimes. It's all good. Zell Huber countered with a powerful right hook that stumbled Giagos, causing him to do, like we said, the. Quick shoot, the, the panic oh, shoot. I don't want to get knocked out. Right, I'm if I scared. I get punched again, I'm out. Right. So, Zell Huber countered again with better wrestling defense, 
locking in that anaconda choke, securing him another victory at just 24, you said? 24 years old? 24 years old. The moves in the two and one in the UFC. He lost his first UFC fight. He's won two in a row since then. 14 and one overall. So he's a guy to look out for. Uh, you always like to see, as we said in uh, Rosa Jr. before, a guy get his first loss and take it well and rebound. He's got his first loss two in a row now. He yep. seems like he's rolling Zell Huber. So with, with Zell Huber in the lightweight division, we talk about this division often being one of the toughest divisions in the UFC to move forward in. Who would you like to see Daniel Zell Huber fight next? Is he ready for anything of a contention, or is he is he looking a couple more fight nights before he gets to go? No, I think he's a couple more fight nights. This division is so uh, stacked, and he's so young. I think his you only don't shot. Just throw him in there. Maybe like a the quick, biggest, a short notice. Maybe UFC uh, prelim pay per view card. He might get on. Maybe uh, somebody like Patty Pimlet. Yeah, that'd be a good one for him. But I don't think Patty would fight him. Not right now. Um, There'd have to be a change of trajectory for Maybe for our guy, Kurt Hollyball. He could. That wouldn't be a bad matchup for each other. Another experience versus newcomer. But I think Kurt Hollyball in that, in that case, you know, kind of takes his fight. I think so, too. Uh, Shout out. Either way, I think he's still, he's not at the rank level yet, just because of how, especially how deep this division is. And there's no reason to rush him when he's 24. You don't want to. Yeah, give him time to grow. Yeah, let him build. I like that. All right, so the fight that opened up the main card of UFC Noche Fernando Padilla, the Mexican, taking on Kyle Nelson, the Canadian. This was a guy in Padilla making his second UFC fight, taking on a guy in his eighth UFC fight in Nelson. And although Nelson hasn't had the most success in the UFC, the experience showed it play. It played a factor in this fight. Um, Padilla rocked him early. Yeah, we were both kind of frustrated he didn't go harder for the finish when it happened. It's kind of annoying to me when... Not even when you do it every once in a while. To me, Padilla is a maintenance fighter. But it's only his second UFC fight. Right. And he got a first-round TKO in his first fight. But just looking at him fight, is he like he doesn't want to rush for it. He's, if he has a game plan, he won't change it, which I guess that's a good thing. But, I mean, it's worked for him so far. This was just a tough fight, and he just kind of – he didn't go for the finish, and once Nelson kind of recovered after that, it was over. He got stronger as the fight went on. Right. Uh, Padilla, it is his fifth fifth loss overall, his first UFC uh, loss, one and one, but still never gotten finished. All five losses are decision losses, so that does seem to be his Achilles heel sometimes. He probably doesn't go for the finish hard enough, and when he doesn't do that, he typically loses. Right. I, I guess that's my argument. Not to say, like, he doesn't ever finish, because he did, you know, finish his yeah, last fight out. Yeah, he has five out. KOs, eight subs. It, it's, first it's round more, TKO in his first UFC fight. It's more what you just kind of alluded to. When he doesn't finish, he typically loses, because he has the opportunity and yeah, either doesn't see was, it or just doesn't take it. I think we're judging him totally on one fight as well. Yeah. Kyle Nelson did fight a good fight here. Uh, he adjusted his game plan, which, you know, props to him for at least, or props to his coach for telling him and him listening. Uh, he adjusted his game plan, you know, m moving to land more powerful shots while Padilla, you know, focused on his original game plan, just using leg kicks and, you know, power punches. It's two straight wins now for Nelson, too. I like so after it. Start, after struggling to, in his UFC, uh, to start his UFC career, two straight wins, moves to 3-4-1 and one overall. So, only Getting 32. He's still got some time even. left. Yeah. Good win for him. Solid performance from him. Padilla, I think he'll be back. Just a minor setback. 
All right, and the last fight for Noche UFC we're going to cover is going to be Roman Kapalov versus Josh Fremd. Honestly, the main reason we covered this fight, um, or I guess the main two reasons are going to be that we really like Roman Kapalov and we really like Josh Fremd. Um, just two fighters that we saw on a card we couldn't not cover. And Kapalov dominated this fight. You know, the first round, Fremd really tried to keep him at bay, used the leg kicks, you know, did his best, but Frim seems Kapilov to be... just got better as the fight went on. Oh, yeah, not Frim. I'm sorry. Kapilov seems to be a force in the 185-pound division. An impressive striker. He clean striker, precision striker. Yeah, he ended up taking Frim out in the second round with a uh, body shot. You know, I never want to take a liver shot. Those body shot KOs are brutal. Yeah, just watching them happen, knowing that, like, you... And not visibly give up, but are visibly altered by one punch, not to the face. That that looks more painful That's than it's worth. Kind of a piss and blood thing, and I don't want to go through. So Kapilov, eleven and twelve and two overall. Now four and two in the UFC. He lost his first two UFC fights, and now has one four in a row, all four knockouts. Like you said, and like I said, like we both said. I don't think we're going to be betting against Kapilov anytime soon. No, he's a guy to watch out for. He's dangerous. He and came back from two straight losses and has now gone on this run, this impressive run. Watch out for him. Right. He had a head kick his last time out. That body shot knockouts are just... And a body shot brutal. knockout this time. It Crazy knockouts coming from Kapilov. He had the kick and then about five seconds later, then punched him right in the liver and then... Just folded. Done. Right. So shout out to Kapalov moving forward. I'm excited to see him fight. All right, so let's move on to our top five this week. We're going to switch things up a little bit. One, because we're in Las Vegas again. It's at the Apex uh, we've been in Vegas so much. We're not going to do a themed uh, top five. Instead, this week, and pretty much for future for these Vegas weeks, or if there's no uh, UFC card, we're just going to do kind of a random, uh, out of the blue uh, top five. So this week's top five, top five worst people. Top five worst people. Very okay. open. And as I said, there is also another change we're doing. So instead of just each of us listing our top five, starting number five up, where we have some of the same things, we're going to kind of do a draft right here. And it's going to be, what we were talking about is like competition basis. Competition basis. We're going to do a snake draft. So we're going to alternate who goes first. This week I'm going to be first, so you get second and third. Uh, oh, I didn't think about the double picks. Yeah, you get the double picks. Ah. And it's pretty much, after the first pick, it's double picks the whole way through into the last one. Right. Which is nice. But it'll add a new wrinkle to this uh, we're obviously this time since we're drafting and it's about value we're going to start at number one and start at number five so you're picking the worst person you could possibly pick for the for your first pick and then going from there so in a way you're picking your best worst person first your favorite worst person which sounds very f- bad when, yeah when, i wouldn't what say i'm f- about to say <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah, you're going first right i'm going first thank god i don't want to say it i take back the favorite uh the best worst person, but best in the worst possible way. The top worst person for you is? I mean, I think there's a 1-1 one, one that's very obvious right here. But I'm, you got to say it, Jake. I'm going H-Man. I'm going Hitler. Oof. Adolf Hitler. Worst person ever. At this point, if you're somewhat of a bad person, 
since Hitler, you're just referred to as Hitler. You don't even have to be that bad now. Like it is universal. Like it's the right. worst insult you can throw at somebody. Nazi, which was his party, one of the worst things you can call somebody. Uh, hate him, horrible guy. He's my one one worst person of all time. I cannot argue with that um, because, yeah, it's just not. It's not something to argue with. Yeah, it's you don't great, think he's a bad guy, Alex? Right. It's a great pick. He's a he's a one-one. You win the first pick. Um, what I'm thinking for my first pick uh, is kind of a second to your one-one. It's going to be Heinrich Himmler. Yeah, he was on a lot of lists too because he, he was right. He he he's the one who enacted. Hitler the, had the general idea of holocaust and huh? he figured out the how to yeah. and the when we're going to do it he, he was, was a seriously <laughs> heinous criminal he was the practical one and they were a deadly combination so i think that's a good one too and it's good for our podcast that we can just flat out say the, the nazis are some of the worst people of all time right i i was thinking Put that on record split decision does not condone nazism or the ussr are them <laughs> and you know, we we have so your number two Heimlich Himmler. Let's get back on track here before we actually do get ourselves in trouble. Right, that's actually a, a fair assessment. What's uh, your uh, what's your number two? My number two, I think I've got to go with another just you know seriously bad dude, a manipulator. You know, used people, serial killer. I'm going Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, he was on my list. That's good. I like to I like to steal things in this new draft style uh, because, like I said, I'm trying to win. And I think this murderer is a solid kind of a first baseman, if you will. Yeah, especially with the show you kind of that just came out. You kind of got like exactly how evil he was. Right. How horrible of a person he was. He's and, a creep. He already looks like a creep, too. And it's also been very divisive on social media to the point where like fans of the show are like, oh, I love watching this show. And people who don't like the show are sitting there and they're like, fans what of this the show. What is wrong with you? Right. The fans of the show are psychopaths. They might be murderers themselves. So I like Jeffrey Dahmer as my number two, kind of coupling it together. What's your second and third? How are you doing this? Yes, yeah, so I'll do two and then I'll give you my third one. My number two. So this is actually, uh, it's top five worst people. So we don't have to pick one person. This is actually a family of people. Uh-oh. They are uh, popular as of right now. There is a recent uh, a Netflix show talking about how bad they are about the Oxycontin. Uh, is it the Duggars? It's the, that's a good pick, but it's a <laughs> Sackler family. So they're the family responsible for Oxycontin. They're like the prime, uh, prime example of like the worst possible. I'm a capitalist, don't get me wrong, but like the worst possible end of capitalism where they were just saying fuck people we hope they get addicted to our drugs and it kills them with oxycontin okay they literally have emails talking about that sackler family there's a uh, peter berg uh show out right now on netflix i forget what it's called but it's about how fucked up they were they're the ones that started having hot um uh, uh pharmaceutical saleswomen oh. to push these drugs on people Dang. to push these drugs on the doctors that's wicked yeah so they thought of that they like ev they were down to like where you got to be like one or two years out of college where a low-cut thing got to be had been in a sorority like they had all these things to like and they pushed oxycontin kind of and the, they did it legally they, they were like the most the worst drug dealers you could possibly and they 
got billions off of it. They got that song, My Pharmacist is My Dealer. And what a song that is. My number three. So that's my number two, the Sackler family. They're fucked up. How do you spell Sackler? Sackler. Lur. Okay. I'm going to write that down. What's so, your number three? So my number three, I'm going for the wind. Remember that. So this is a guy that's relevant right now of being a fucked up person. Oh, no. I'm going Danny Masterson. Oh, Hide no. From that that 70s, 70s show. show. Yeah. This dude just got convicted of rape. I think he got like life in prison for rape. All the shit that's coming out. He looks like a like a fucked up dude raping dude, chicks i also saw that mila kunis and ashton kutcher came, like came to his defense and like nah came to his defense he's a good dude no they did it in court and right. then when it came out that they did it in court they did a bullshit apology and it's like y'all are fucked up too right and Hollywood. apparently it's a scientology thing uh something to do related that's what uh do you ever watch king of queens not much the wife from that is like the most anti because she oh, got yeah, out of the yeah, scientology yeah. church leah something she came out and said that it had something to do, was implying it had something to do with the Scientology church. Man, Super these, fucked up. We're probably these people. Be, yeah. Sorry, Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Danny Masterson, he's in the news right now. He's a fucked up dude. Uh, that's my number three pick. Okay. So my number three, I'm leaning, I'm getting away from specific individuals here. Um, not because it's, you know, there aren't a plethora of good people. I just don't want to shed any more light on specific people to kind of give them more clout than they deserve. You mean your boy Epstein? Right. So I talked to my eight-year-old about this. I said, Jackson, what is your top five worst people? You know, if you had to think of a worst person. He said bullies? No. He said criminals. So my number three is going to be criminals. Because it's an all-encompassing, you know, it's it's the murderers. It's, the devil's advocate in me says, but criminals are only pushed out because of their socioeconomic. Correct, but he's not talking about their socioeconomic level. He's talking about murderers, to your point, Epstein-type people, the child molesters. He's talking about the bad of the bad, the people that be- belong in prison, the Danny Mastersons, the criminals. So that was your number three criminals? My number three is going to be criminals. What do you have for number four? And my number four? Politicians. Oh, that's a good one. Politicians are my number four. They suck. They are consistently liars. Consistently um, the worst people. You know, they're, they're, they, they cheat to get ahead. You know, what, and they're no, ahead because they cheat. And they're ahead because they're cheat. You know, you, you don't find a politician in the Senate or Congress or you anything. You made it that far, you're not clean in my Right. Book. And you never see one that, for some reason, isn't worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Screams insider trading to me. They're the best. They're better than Warren Buffett on trading. Right. So I don't understand how they can be that in tune and also not do their job, but politicians is going to be in my number four. I think that's a pretty... You know, underrated number four pick because they're openly just corrupt. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. My number four, this one, so top five worst people. I'm adding a noun into the worst. Uh-oh. So this is, I'm adding quarterback into that. So worst quarterback, I'm putting Justin Fields. My only thing I have Oof. is he sucks. He came out, there was all this hype about him. He's making steps. Turns out, the dude sucks. The bears suck. 
He's a bust. It's unfortunate for the Bears, but there was a lot of hype behind him, and he's the worst. So my number four kind of – I'm sorry to put Justin Fields on a list with Hitler, but Justin Fields, number four. I just want to point out that Justin Fields is only three spots away from Hitler. Yeah, but that's, these are exponentially worse. Whatever you say, coach. What's your fifth pick? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of regretting that number four pick now. <laughs> ah, it's recorded. You can't take anything yeah, too back. late now. So, uh, sorry, Justin Fields. I didn't mean you're Hitler. I'm just going to put that on the record. Okay, so we at Split Decision do not condone, condone Nazis or Justin Fields being Hitler. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so, my number five. I had one. I don't know if it'll play well on the graphic and get votes. It goes with our picks. It goes with kind of what we've been talking about. I'm going to go the safe pick. I'm going to go Aaron Hernandez, the football player. The dude was fucked up all the way from Florida, or actually all the way from like high school to the NFL. He was killing people, shooting people, beating people up. He was on the DL. It's not a bad thing, but. Yeah, no, I. I... Aaron Hernandez, he's a shitty person. He wrote, like, most men in America. He ended up being a killer, too. I mean, that's. He was good, yeah. Most men in America would like no, their literally dream would a killer. Be to be a star in the NFL. He had a chance to do that, and said he chose literally killing people. Aaron Hernandez sucks. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a pretty great list of top five worst people. I'm gonna finish mine off with another kind of generic worst person, but to me, it's kind of the. The general lowest of the low, you know, it's not doing anything to, to hurt anyone. You're not a murderer or anything. But if you're a liar. Yeah, I mean, liars, definitely. Man, that is up there. I can't trust a thing you say. If you lie to me, I can't trust anything. You're Lie being deceitful. That is hard, man. The worst is people getting lied to about important things is sucks. But the people that lie about, like, the small things, too. Right, like you're lying Those are the just worst. to do it. Those are the worst kind of people. Absolutely. So I think liar, you know, mine's kind of general at the end of the list there. But liar to me, you know, if you if you lie about that, you're one step away from doing the next worst thing. And then one step, you know, it's a, it's a, a slippery slope, if you will. Yeah, if you're willing to lie about a lot, like be labeled a liar. Right. There's what else won't you do? There's no end. So that's the top five. Comment below. Tell us what you think. Who won? Check out our polls on social media. Right. There's going to be polls on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever we can put them. That is free for you to see. Let us know who won. I believe I did. So let's go for that. Yeah. Way to put on record you think you won a draft. Way to step out. A, a, like, I will be confident. Way to make a statement. This of course is a, you think you won. Yeah. Well, that's a statement. All right, check us out next week when I beat Alex again. All right, so let's move ahead to the fight preview of the week. This week, we take a look ahead to UFC Vegas 79. It's another card in Vegas, another fight night. Uh, the first fight we're going to take a look at, I think what we're going to do is the entire main event plus the uh, featured prelim of the night. Right, the uh, the main card prelim. That's a dumb one. You said it better. Featured prelim, like he said. Uh, so the first fight we're going to take a look at, Dan, the determined 
Arqueta? Is that Ar- he's? Argetta. Argetta. I'm sorry. I've read the, the G as a Q. He's illiterate sometimes. Me we apologies. apologize. Versus Miles Chapo Johns. Chapo. Chapo, Chapo. Yeah. He's American. Close uh, enough. This is a fight. The determined one, one, and one in the UFC. His last fight, he was winning the fight, getting a choke, a premature stoppage by Keith Peterson. Just kind of fucked up all around. It kind of, uh, you don't want to say stole a win because he didn't get the win yet, but he was in prime position to get the win. Uh, Argetta. Yeah, in the moment, that that stoppage didn't seem right. And then upon further review, they uh, they flipped it to a no contest because it was kind of obvious he got Keith Peterson got that one wrong. Um, but I like that Argetta gets to just move forward. He's not having to rematch this guy that he was, in my opinion, he was beating him. You know, and it's not that they won't fight again in the future. They're just, you know, kind of doing different things at the moment. Um, he's a good striker. He moves things to the ground. He's got four submission, you know, career victories with two KO victories and three decision victories. So kind of a mixed bag with how he gets it done. But I think he prefers to, you know, get it done on the ground. Yeah, and then you have Miles Johns, who a little bit more experienced in the UFC 4-2, and two, won three out of four. Uh, he's a guy... He gets finishes. He also gets finished. Four out of his six UFC fights have ended in either submission or knockout. He's two and two in those fights. So he's he's exciting. I think he goes out there and gets it done. I think John's, that's my pick for the fight. How do you think this fight goes? Honestly, on this one, I think Argetta is going to do, you know, what he's determined to do. Miles Johns doesn't ever go for a takedown. He typically likes to go to the scorecards, you know, seven decision victories for him. I think Argetta is going to get this fight done with a finish. So we're different on the first fight of the night, huh? Yep, I think we are. Kicking off the main card of UFC Vegas 79, we have Ricardo Ramos in the featherweight division. Fighting, the Brazilian. I wish I could say his nickname. I know, I wanted to say it too, but I have no uh, idea. Caracina, Caracina. It uh, translates to clunker. Okay. So, I got that. Good uh, name for a fighter. Charles Air Jordan. That's a sick nickname. That is a sick nickname. The Canadian. Right. Both guys in their 20s. 28-year-old versus 27-year-old. Right. These two coming in with 30 combined wins, 10 combined losses. Uh, Ramos coming in 16-4, and 4, 4 KOs, 7 submissions, 5 decisions. 7-3 and three in the UFC. So, he's fought 10 fights in the UFC, which is pretty good for a 28-year-old. Right. Only losing two times by KO, once by submission, once by decision. Hasn't fought in over a year either. June of 2022. So he's had a long layoff. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It could be both. Yeah, you could see somebody having to knock the rust off or kind of come out prime, ready to go. Completely healed if he was dealing with an injury or something. Right. So that'll be interesting to watch. Facing Charles Jordan, who comes in 14-6 and six in his career, eight knockouts, four submissions, two decisions with a draw, confirming that he can win really any type of fight he can knock you out he can submit you but he can also beat you on the scorecards i guess depending on the judge mike bell if you're out there but he's five five and one in the ufc so he's actually fought one more fight than ramos but he has two less losses less less than a 50 percent winning percentage in the ufc so he's been very up and down one only one of his last three fights uh he did win his last fight. If you remember, it was that really boring fight against Crone Gracie, and it wasn't his fault. No, it, it was Crone Gracie was laying on the ground the entire Crone time. Crone Gracie, but that was his last fight. Uh, 
So it'll be interesting to see. I think it's be a very close fight, but I have Ramos winning, and I actually like the odds on this. So I have Ramos winning, and that's going to be my first bet of the Ramos money line plus 120. Nice. So I'm going against you here, not not because you have a bet. I'm going against you with Charles Jordan as a pick. I think not not with the you know, dust up with Crone Gracie or anything. But I think that was an easy enough fight for him to kind of just resettle his mind, come out back there with a great camp and, you know, win this fight wholeheartedly. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a close fight, but I see Charles Jordan getting the dub here. So we're off on the first two uh, fights of the night. That's interesting. I know, but, you know, we never know what's going to All right, the third fight we're going to cover, Brian Pooh Bear Battle taking on a Louisiana guy. AJ the Ghost Fletcher. Brian Battle comes in 9 and 2 in this, 4 and 1 in the UFC. Won his last fight with a 14 second KO. He actually has two uh under a minute KOs in the UFC, so that's impressive. Taking he, on Fletcher. He used to sport long hair for people who don't remember Brian Battle. He was long hair. He always fought with a caveman crazy style. That's still Brian Battle. He's just now blonde with like a crew cut. It's He's getting better, too. He is. He is getting better. Fun guy to watch, and he's taking on another fun guy to watch, A.J. Fletcher, a guy that's 10-2, as we said. He's never been finished. He's 1-2 in the UFC, so he lost his first two, won his last one, so he's trying to kind of get a grip in the UFC, prove he belongs there. Uh, if I can steal a uh, term from the great Pat McAfee, A.J. Fletcher's a dog. Yeah, he's I agree. He's just a guy. He, he'll go in there and scrap with you. Uh, I think these are two guys that are going to go in and scrap with each other. This is going to be a very good fight, very competitive fight. I got to go with the Louisiana guy in this fight. I think A.J. Fletcher gets it done. Yeah, both fighters sporting similar records. We got Brian Battle 9-2, and two, A.J. Fletcher 10-2. and two. Both fighters losing, uh, well, Battle losing once by decision, once by submission, and uh, Fletcher losing twice by decision. I think it's going to be a very competitive match. I agree with you. I think A.J. Fletcher is going to win. Like we think, hometown hero. I think the ghost is gonna, you know, just show battle what's up, kind of finish it, and you know, move himself up in the rankings. So our first, uh, first Agreeance. one we agree on, right? Agreement. The main card women's fight in a strawweight bout, 115 pounds, is Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Waterson Gomez, the Karate Hottie. We see both of these fighters here after an impressive career so far from both. We have Rodriguez at 16 and 3, um, you know, putting up a mixed bag of wins. With 16 and 3 and with two draws, but also she's lost her last two. So she was 16 wins, one loss, two, two Very draws impressive. before that. Very impressive. Six KO wins, one submission victory with nine decisions. You said sporting two draws. She's only lost once by KO and twice by decision. Six. Six wins, three losses, two draws in the UFC. She's fighting the karate hottie, Michelle Waterson Gomez, got married recently. Congratulations to her. She's been married. I think she just recently changed her name. Hey, good for her either way. Good for her husband. Yeah, I don't care. Mr. Gomez. It's all on them. So, she's coming in with a great career. Might be towards the end. Great. I would say 18 and 11 overall in her professional career. She's lost three in a row, though, and five out of her last six. So she's been worried about that. She looks cool when she's doing it. Three career KOs, nine submission victories, six decision victories, only losing once by KO, four times by submission, and six times on the cards. Her last win was September of 2020. 
Sounds like a hater over here. I'm just the realist, Michelle. I love you. I feel you. But look, Rodriguez won last time out by unanimous decision against Gomez. Not her last time fighting. Against Waterson Gomez, she won. Um, Rodriguez has gone two and two since. Both fighters really need to get a win here. I think we see a different fight with Waterson. It's not going to be different. Well, I think different, not in the outcome. But in the approach, I think Waterson's going to be a bit more aggressive here. I think she might actually get caught is the problem. I think aggressive, aggressive is going to be the undertone of Waterson's game plan coming in. And I think she's going to have to do that if she stands hope of winning. But I ultimately think that's going to be her demise. So I pick Marina Rodriguez to win the fight. What do you think? I'm picking Rodriguez as well. I think it's going to be a more dominant uh performance from Rodriguez in the when they fought in uh, May of 21 Rodriguez needs this she needs to end her two fight losing streak again she's she had only lost one time before the last two fights so she's trying to get back Watterson she's just been on the slide lately no offense to her five out of six that's a struggle uh Rodriguez with the win all right so we arrive at the co-main event of the night Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell taking on Dan 50k Ige. This is a very interesting fight. Two guys that have a lot of, uh, one guy had a lot of promise coming off his first loss. That's Bryce Mitchell. 15 and one overall, six and one in the UFC. His last fight though, December of last year, Ilya Tapora, Taporia dominated him and kind of embarrassed him for his first career loss. It's going to be interesting to see how he responds from that. Yeah, beat the guy on the ground. Beat him on the... He's a ground guy, and he got beat on the ground, and it's like, how's your confidence? How's your mindset? How's your ego after that? Take it on Dan Ige, who's a guy who we know is very resilient. He's won two in a row after a three-fight losing streak. Nine and five overall in the UFC. So he's a guy. It looked like his UFC career might have been over. Last two fights, he's coming and performed. 17 and six overall. Never been finished. He's a guy that comes to fight no matter who he's fighting. Whether he wins or loses, he's going to give you a tough time. I think this is a great fight, a great co-main event of the evening. How do you see this fight going? Because it could go either way. So I think Mitchell's career loss, or first career loss to Taporia last time out. Who's a dog. By triangle was just an eye-opener for him. I don't think it's a stain on his career. I mean, you you go 15-0 and because you're that dude. You are that dude, right? But confidence is a lot of this. I mean, you, you win nine submissions. This is your first loss. In a long career with a young guy like Mitchell, he can fight. He can stand to take a few more losses. Look, I think he has contender potential. But I think if he gets... If he, if he uses his ability to finish Dan Ige here, the way to do that for him, his game plan is going to be to fight patient, not to fight angry. I think he's going to do that, and I think he's going to f- get the finish here. I think he beats Danny Ige this weekend. I honestly agree with you. I think Mitchell gives Danny Ige his first loss by uh, a finish, and I think he gets submitted. I think Bryce Mitchell, he's going to rebound well. He's going to build off of this loss. He's going to improve off of this loss, and I think his ground game is about to be sick. Uh Honestly, Ige's best chance for victory here is going to be to keep the fight on the feet as much as possible. Agreed. Strike as often as he can. Use his use his lungs and take the fight deep into the fight, maybe to the cards if he can if he can do that. Yeah, I think that's his best game plan. I think Bryce Mitchell finishes him with a 
some kind of choke. To kick off the main event for UFC Vegas 79, we have Rafael Fiziev versus Matus Gamrot in the lightweight division. As like we always said, probably the toughest division in the UFC. What are their rankings in this? Seven and eight in lightweight? Uh, I think Fiziev is six and Matus is eight. It's something like that. They're both top, top 10, 10 like uh, lightweight killers. So we all know what that means. Right. They both, though, dropped their top 10 opponent most recently. Fiziev dropped a loss to Justin Gaethje, who is now the yeah, BMF he didn't drop title Justin holder. Gaethje. He lost to Justin Gaethje. Dro- well, yeah, lost to Justin Gaethje. Sorry. And um, yeah, Fiziev, that lost to Gaethje, ended his six-fight winning streak. But, you know, it's... It's Justin Gaethje. Justin so, Gaethje, and you went to the scorecard, so right. You loss. you didn't get knocked out. And he won around. Yeah, you did good. And then Gamrot lost to um, what's his name? Gamrot Darush. lost to Benil Darush recently. Benil Darush, but his last fight was a short notice win over Jalen Turner, which was a nice win. Right. Both guys in the lightweight division coming out strong. Honestly, this is going to be Gamrot's never been finished either, which was an interesting fact. You're right. This is going to be a very powerful fight. I think here we're going to see a very kind of drastic style change or drastic difference in styles. That's going to dictate the fight. I think we see the first round, Fiziev, Gamrod, both trying to find their distance. Second and third round are going to be probably one apiece. You know, fourth round is where we're going to see the real action. I think we're going to see Fiziev knocking Gamrod out in the fourth round. I take Fiziev to win the fight move on in the lightweight division, kind of line himself up for, you know, possibly a Dustin Poirier in the future, you know, somebody, you know, that caliber, if he's going to go on and fight the, the champ, the BMF I, title holder. I got Fiziev. Uh, I think it goes to the decision, though. I think it's going to be a chess match between the two guys. But I also have Fiziev winning the fight. Dustin Poirier is not a bad fight for him. I don't think Dustin, he wants big names. I don't think he would fight him. Another guy to look out for, uh, Fiziev, maybe maybe he fights Dariush. Yeah. Uh, that would be a good fight. Right. Michael Chandler, if he doesn't fight Conor McGregor, that would be a good fight for him. Yeah. So they're both going to, the good thing about lightweight is you're going to have options. Always. If you're in the top 10, you have a slew of options to choose from and it'll be all contest. Anyone could headline a pay-per-view card in my opinion. So let's kick off and not finish up, but, you know, kind of go through the bets and picks from last week. I had an okay week. Christian had a less than what I did okay week. Horrible MMA football kind of saved me, saved face a little bit. Chat GPT doing its chat GPT thing, getting only a couple wrong, starting to alarm me. I don't care if it's not alarming you. It's picking better than you right now, so kind of picking better than you too i know that's what i'm saying like we need to maybe look at it but anyway uh last week's bets i went three one and one uh we had a valentino shevchenkov alexa grasso draw so that gave me my second draw of the season or push of the season which is crazy but whatever uh you two and three you said you went oh and two on mma or oh and three i lost holland Moneyline, Holland under, and uh, Giagos Moneyline. So 0-3, but but finally got football bets this week. I went 0-4 in the first two weeks of football. This week, got Florida plus 7, right? 
Okay. They I like won, that. actually won outright, which was a nice win. And then I got the Steelers on Monday Night Football. They were plus two underdogs. Nice. And, and they won. They actually out, outright won that game. So that was a good game at the end, too. was a good game. Thank God for their defense. Two and three overall. Uh, on a bad week, I'll take the two and three. I had uh, Josh Friend money line. I thought he uh, had a chance to upset Roman Kapilov there. I was absolutely wrong. I had uh, Zell Huber versus Christos Giagos under, and that fight ended with an anaconda choke. Uh, Val- Valentina Shevchenko money line. That was a draw, split draw. Then I had Penn State covering 14 and a half. They did. And the Packers covering as well. Although I placed the bet late and the line changed, caused me to still get the win, but I'll take it. There's in, air quotes on that win. In the future, I'll There's say... asterisks. He's Barry Bonds over here. Yeah, you wouldn't I'll, get voted into the Hall of Fame because your record's a sham. Just say it. Maybe something like that. But I'll take the win. I'm going to just continue to go ahead and make my bets placed on Friday because uh, that's working for me. <coughs> Picks, how'd you do last week? Picks, uh, not great. Golly, what'd you do? I got one pick right, and it was Rosa. I was just on a losing streak. Man, your least favorite fighter on the card. I wouldn't say least favorite. I just, I'm not a giant fan of him. But one, four, and one, obviously the draw. I got the tie. Who'd you pick on the the main event? I picked Shevchenko to win. So that might be. Okay, so 10 9. She could have won. That, you know, would have helped save your day there. All right. I went uh, 3 2 and 1 on picks. I got uh, Josh Frimmed wrong. Shevchenko, uh, draw. I got, uh, what was it? Oh, uh, it doesn't matter because I got it wrong. I got a few right, three, two, and one. Moves me to 62, 26, and one on the season. Christian moves you to 54, 32, and one on the season. Pretty good so far uh, for season zero of picks and bets. Chat GBT, GPT is 23 9 and 1 only getting uh two technically wrong last week that would be the kevin holland loss and the shevchenko draw so pretty stellar from chat maybe we should start looking at looking at those picks in the future i don't know um moving on we looked at our picks kind of we we kind of brushed over them we have the same picks for the last four fights that we're going to be covering this week. Differences on the first two. Yeah, so I have Johns, Ramos, Fletcher, Rodriguez, Mitchell, Fizev in that order. Right. I have Argetta, Jordan, Battle, Rodriguez, Mitchell. Oh, so you're taking Battle over Fletcher. Oh, I'm sorry, Fletcher. My bad. Hometown hero, Louisiana guy. Fletcher over Sounds Battle. a little s- suspect. Rodriguez, Mitchell, Fizev. To cap it off, differences on the two. ChatGPT's picking Miles Johns, Ricardo Ramos, Brian Battle, Marino Rodriguez, Bryce Mitchell, and Rafael Fiziev. I'm only one off from uh, from ChatGPT, so I'll take that. Okay, cool. So, And it's the hometown guy I'm off on. Moving into probably the most important part of the whole betting and standings things is... You went two and three last week in bets. How are you rebounding? What are your five bets this week? Let me hear your first three UFC, then we'll take a break. I'll give you my three UFC, and then we'll go to football, right? So my first UFC bet is going to be the main event. I'm taking Fizev minus 150. 
Okay. Money line. Second bet, I'm taking plus 120 odds for the Ramos win over Jordan. So Ramos money line plus 120. All right. I got the over in uh, Marnina Rodriguez, Michelle Watterson Gomez. I don't have the line yet, but I have the over in that. I know that's going to be a huge uh, minus. Yeah, those usually come in uh, on Fridays or so. But I need some wins right here, so I'm taking that one. That's fair. Uh, mine, I'm going to have A.J. Fletcher money line. I'm going to take Rodriguez Watterson over as well. And I'm also going to double up with you there with the Rafael Fiziev money line as well. I think he's going to dominate the fight. I think he's going to take Gamrot out, and I think he's going to move on to a uh, closer title contention for himself. So for college, or for not college, for football, do you have college and NFL or just one, just the other? I have one college, one NFL. All right, let me hear the college first. My college is I'm riding with my boys. I've been riding with them all week or all season. Moneyline Colorado. I mean, points Colorado. Colorado plus 21 versus Oregon. Dang, dude. We keep thinking the same thing. 21 points is a lot. I think Oregon probably wins the game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. I agree. I also took Colorado covering Oregon. I think... It is that Oregon, which is a notoriously hard place to play. I think it's going to be a surprising game. I think... You know, no Travis Hunter. The adversity they faced last week, you know, playing a rough game. They didn't play the best. I think they're going to double down this week, play better than we expect. Maybe not get the win, but I definitely think they're going to cover at least the 21 points. So you're taking the same bet? Same bet. So we have three of the same bets so far? Yeah. Well, we're hinging on each other here, brother. You son of a bitch. Last NFL, last bet, NFL bet. What do you got? So I'm taking the Washington Commanders plus six and a five. Well, I'll be plus damned. Six and a half at home against the Buffalo Bills. I think the Commanders are playing well. Buffalo. Sam Howell doing well. Buffalo played well in their last game, but six and a half points is a lot early in the season at home for Washington. I predict like a Buffalo three point win. So I'm taking the Commanders with the points six and a half as the underdog at home. So that's that's the same bet I have as well. Are you serious? No, not at all. I I actually have... <clears throat> I don't know why I'm talking like that. Sorry. I actually have Texas covering the Jaguars. I think nine and a half is kind of a crazy line with how the Jaguars have been, been playing. Yeah, but the Texans haven't been playing well either. And they they were They were poised coming into the season to you know be a force to be reckoned with and they have not been playing as such it's the nfl they're gonna be all right this is has been a weird season to start off so that's why i think the texans are gonna cover that nine and a half on the jackpots kicking off q and a with an n christian i want to ask you a few questions following up noche ufc if alexa grasso and valentina shevchenko do not fight I know we talked about Grasso, who she's going to take on for a, a contender to defend the belt next. Who's Val going to fight? Who's the bullet going to fight next? I think she fights whoever doesn't fight for the title next. Either Blanchfield or, or Fuaro. Fuaro, do kind of a little tournament. Have those two fights go on. Leonard, loser fights. Or Winners not loser, fight but... Each other's. Right. There uh, you go. Non-fighter fights them. Winner of that fights the Well, who the cares title. about the losers? The winners fight each other. Right. Cool. I like that. Another question. We again talked Jack Della Maddalena, who he could be fighting. What about Kevin Holland? I just checked the rankings. 
They moved up to 12 and 13, respectively. Jack Della Maddalena at 12, Kevin Holland at 13, which kind of serves, you know, we can go with a Joff Neal, Sean Brady. Those would both be in timeline for Kevin Holland to fight. Um, we could go with a Wonderboy Thompson, you know, for another striker. Who they do you think? Fought. They fought recently. Right. Who do you think Kevin Holland could fight next? That's a tough one. I think any, um, you know, I think after Stephen Thompson beat him, he's not a top 10 guy right now. So I don't think it's a top 10 guy. What were some of the other guys? Sean Brady, maybe? Sean Brady, Jeff Joff Neal. Neal. You know, those are, those are both guys that either fought recently, or not neither fought. They both pulled out of fights recently. Well, Jeff so, Neal just got beat up by it. Neil Magny pulled out recently, my bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Neil Magny pulled out recently. He's also a, an option to for Kevin Highland. You know, any any of those guys, who, who do you see, you know, as a top 15 bout for Kevin Holland next? I kind of like Sean Brady. I wouldn't mind that fight. Okay. Now, last question. With Aaron Rodgers going down, tearing his Achilles, Nick Chubb, you know, potentially ruining his career with his latest hit, what do you think to say about the turf on the field? You know, what needs to happen? They need to be playing on grass. The turf. Why? I, I see. I just personally don't understand that. It's just you're playing on pretty much carpet compared to real grass. There's not as much stability. Is it that simple? Yeah. You're fucking. It's just not the same. Okay. I just, I, I've never understood. So I, What's I, crazy is like none of the major like soccer leagues in the world, they all use grass because of how fuck, like. Well, I saw the the one report where they were Messi saying that refuses like, to play on turf. They 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 change that with like when soccer comes Cups. here. Yeah, they right. They change change it out to grass. It's like ah, well that's kind of so it's like they can't do it. Right. Yeah. That that's so kind of crazy fucked. to me. And they just want to save money by not having a ground screw. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. But yeah, any athlete you talk to, they like hundred percent of them are going to say grass. Good to know. Well, now I uh, you've. You firmed up my opinion. Thank you. I'm now a grass guy, if I wasn't before. Grass guy. So, moving on to the last little segment of the podcast. It's the N part, and as any recurring listener will know, the N stands for news. What do you got for me, sir? So, after this week's controversial 10-8 fifth round in the main event, Shevchenko uh, Grasso, the 10-8 round... For Grasso, in Grasso's favor, that caused the draw, or else 10-9 round for Grasso would have been a split decision victory for Shevchenko. Because of that 10-8 round and how controversial it is, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, who the who is over the judges in Las Vegas, obviously, they are holding a 10-8 seminar this week where they go over in full detail what constitutes a 10-8 round, what doesn't constitute a 10-8 round, because I think everybody realizes this was a mistake. Uh, Mike Bell, I mean, the judges need to be more accountable for some of these bad mistakes. Yeah, you can't just, I mean, not, not to, you're fucking these guys, not only their careers, but like they're literally splitting their pay in half. Right, and not only that, like, you know, the consumers that are watching these fights, there's a lot of people that are betting money and a bad decision that's blatant forces people to lose money where, you know, money necessarily wouldn't be lo lost. You know, I understand where in some cases you're going to lose a bet by, a you know, a controversial decision. This was the furthest thing from a 10-8 round you could see. Yeah, it you was know? a round 
It was exactly. a ten nine. Both both people had success in a round. No way a ten eight round. Right. My bit of news. Um, we've had you know, we we just touched on it. We've had a few injuries in the NFL recently. Aaron Rodgers going down, season ending. It happens every year. Nick Chubb going down, season ending. He has surgery. I think he's going to have surgery tomorrow. Everybody's always going down for different reasons in the NFL. In fantasy, you know, that type of injury can just change, you know, your whole season. What kind of thing do you think, you know, a fan or somebody watching, playing fantasy football could do to kind of combat all these injuries? You know, is it to pick up the 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 handicap or the handcuff Zach Wilson, Jerome Ford? Is it worth it? There's nothing you can do. It's injuries. It's football. Unpredictable. So you just kind of toss up your buyout and say, damn, I, yeah, I got I mean, it's screwed the same thing an NFL team does. Yeah. They have to do the same thing. Now, if that's Patrick not to Mahomes say you're not going to go out fighting. Yeah, you're not going to go out fighting. You're going to adjust when it happens, but... You're still going to do your best. You you're just saying there's it. really no way to recover. You can't... Not recover. You can't prepare for it. Right. Okay. Now, with that, somebody like Anthony Richardson... You know, he has no business taking hits like that. I'm a fan of the Colts. You're a fan of the Saints. If Derek Carr was out there running around just taking hits to win the game, we know that's not longstanding. From a quarterback perspective, what does Anthony Richardson need to do to not, you know, suffer damage long-term? Learn how to slide and don't get hit. Have another Andrew Luck on our hands where we could be facing a very good prospect and his career is cut short based on— It's as simple as that. He needs to stop taking hits. Yeah, slide. I slide. like it. It sucks that, um, you know, one of his biggest assets, not that he can't pass, but one of his biggest assets is being a runner, but he's got to learn how to not. Lamar Jackson, he's gotten hurt a few times, but it's not because he's taking big hits. He doesn't take big hits. He's learned how to not be an effective runner and not really get, like, rocked. He needs to do something like that. So what do you have to say about the Saints? They're 2-0. and Two and zero. Uh, we'll take the two wins. First time they're two and zero since like twenty twelve or something. It's been over ten. It was a years. year after y'all won the Super Bowl. Is that right? No, we started bad after we won the Super Bowl, but it was something like that. Okay. Um, obviously, we haven't played the best, but two wins is two wins, especially in the NFL. Not sold on Derek Carr. I don't think he's a long term solution. We'll see how the season goes, though. Our division, even though there's two other two and zero teams, I don't think is the best division. I think. The teams might be scrappy and learn how to win games, but it's not teams that are going to come and dominate. Right. Okay. Uh, but honestly, we couldn't have wished for a, a better start to the season. Yeah, I mean, it, two and zero is two. Like you said, two and zero is two and zero. You got to take every win that you can. This is the NFL. You don't need style points. Right. And lastly, Joe Burrow with the Bengals. This is not the first time they've gone zero and two. Yeah, he seems like they always go off to a rocky start and they finish the year, you know, super strong, putting up points. I mean, T. Higgins started off the season 0-8 in week one, never didn't catch a reception, rebounded pretty well here, caught a couple touchdowns, uh, got some yards, some receptions. Yeah, they started 0-2 last year. The thing that worries me is Joe seems like he kind of tweaked his, his uh, calf again. Yep, so that was a report that came out. I think he'll they, be monitoring well, in practice. Taylor didn't even – the coach wouldn't even say if he's starting this week or not. So we'll see how that goes. Bengals got to wake up, though. They kind of woke up in the second half, but it was too late against the Ravens. Their offense started moving finally. Uh, I trust Joe Burrow. I think they'll get it figured out. They might not win their division, but I think they're a playoff team still. All right, thank you guys for listening to Episode 14 of Split Decision. Check us out next week when we recap UFC Vegas 79. Fizz Ev Gamrot. 
And for the first time next week, we don't have a UFC card to preview. So check us out to see what we have in store. We've got a couple fun things we're going to cover. Uh, so check us out. And don't forget to check us out at splitdecisionpod.com to catch up on all our recent episodes, our merch, our picks, bets, and more. And before you go, don't forget split 35 for 35% off your order at splitdecisionpod.com.